have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, and if you don't have your Bibles, Jason will have the Scripture on the screen, but two different passages of Scripture this morning will be in Psalm 100, uh, looking at the first five verses of Psalm 100, and then we'll go over into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and look at uh, three verses, verses 16 through 18, so if you want to mark those real quick, we'll get into that in just a second, but also Jason will have that on the on the screen for us this morning. want to... Thank you for being here, and I always say thank you because this is Thanksgiving week. We're going to look at some things that have to do with Thanksgiving. I want to share a few things with you, some things about the holiday itself, and then we're going to get into God's Word and and look at what He has to say about Thanksgiving as well. Thanksgiving is a national holiday here in America. It the, starts the week of Thanksgiving. We start uh, today, and we start enjoying some time together. Uh, this evening, we will be hosting the Community Thanksgiving Worship Service here at Pine Hill, where five different churches come together and, and have a an, uh, worship time together, this, this Community Thanksgiving service that we have this evening. It's the beginning of the holiday season that lasts through New Year's Day, and, and we refer to that, and we refer to this time period in our country. We refer to it as the holidays. For many people, the word holiday is more prominent than the word thanksgiving. It's a little bit different. It's simply a day off of work or perhaps a a long weekend or maybe a chance to go sit in a a deer stand and enjoy some of God's creation. It's a a good time, but it's just simply different than the word thanksgiving. Perhaps it's a chance to travel or even visit family and friends. For the most part, this holiday could be easily viewed as being assembled and associated with family and food. Amen? I didn't get a very good one on that one. Especially turkey and dressing and all the side dishes that go with it. Now, I can tell right now your mouth's starting to water a little bit. You're starting to think about that sweet potato souffle and all those things that go with all those side dishes. And turkey as well. I would venture to say that Brother Wesley probably holds the record for cooking the most turkeys in one day. Would you all agree? Anybody cook more than eight turkeys in one day? That's a small cooking, but that's Brother Wesley's deal for this afternoon. So if you're looking for him, he'll be by the fryer. Most likely, more turkeys are sold the week before Thanksgiving than any other day or week of the year. It's one day out of the year when we set aside and we reflect on the things that we're thankful for. I mean, we look at the fact that family gets together and we, we get together for food and fellowship, but we, we reflect on the things that we're thankful for. Now, if you were to evaluate the general population in this country, would you say that people complain more about their problems, or would you say that more people are thankful for the blessings that they have? Which would you say? More people complain about their problems, that's A, or more people complain about their, their trouble, B? Which one would you say, A? Or B? A. A, more people complain about their problems and their blessing, but that's not the, what the Word says. As difficult as this world is and full of the struggle that it is, God's blessings significantly exceed and outweigh any problem that we might face. God's Word says that we should be thankful in all things, and sometimes that's very difficult to do. Brother Kerry, that's hard to do a lot of times, but don't get me wrong. I love my family time, and I love time spending with my family. I love good food, and you know that well. I think I've made that very clear. 
not a problem here. And throughout my career, having a day off was pretty high on my list. I worked a lot, but having a day off was pretty high on my list. But being thankful for God's love and His blessing should be an event that occurs not just one day out of the year, but each and every day throughout the year. Amen? There's an interesting history of how this national holiday took place. And I want to share some history with you before we get into God's Word and, and talk about the Scripture. In the school, we learned that the story of the pilgrims and how this country came to, to be about and the difficult journey that the pilgrims took to get here. It says in Scripture, I mean in the history books, half of these travelers who set out on this adventure discovering the new world did not survive to the completion of the trip. Half the people that came did not survive. In 1621, they came here to establish a colony. You may remember the story of Governor William Bradford and all the hardships that they endured. In 1623, Governor Bradford issued a proclamation establishing that there would be a day of thanksgiving. Now, this is so important. You've got to lean on, on the fact that this country was established on God, the Almighty Father, God himself. Look at this proclamation that Bradford issued about the day of thanksgiving. In this proclamation, he declared, insomuch as the great Father has given us this year of abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, beans, squash, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest and abound with game, and the sea with fish and clams, and insomuch as he has protected us from the ravages of the savages, has spared us from the pestilence and disease, has granted us the freedom to worship God according to dictates our conscience. On the basis of that, he proclaimed November 25th, 1623, as a day which he said was for rendering thanksgiving to the Almighty God for all his blessings. goes back to the 1600s. That's how this nation was started. Don't let anybody tell you what, that America was not founded on the Almighty God. In 1863, Abraham Lincoln established the National Day of Thanksgiving as the fourth Tuesday of November. Now, let's say we can do it on Tuesday and Thursday as well if you want to. But anyhow, the fourth Tuesday in November... In the middle of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln declared a national Thanksgiving holiday. And Lincoln said this. He said, at that time, no human council has devised nor had any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath in, nevertheless remembered mercy for us. President Roosevelt later moved Thanksgiving holiday to the Fourth Thursday in November. Church, we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be thankful for. As hard as it is and hard as life is, we have so much to be thankful for. Even during a time that seems like we have one tough situation after another, one tough event after another, one struggle after another, maybe you're feeling like, man, I just can't catch a break. I can't seem to get ahead. I can't catch a break. We still have so much to be thankful for this morning. We're going to open up two different passages of Scripture, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. In these verses, we're going to see how God desires for us to observe Thanksgiving every day, all day long. And I want you to pay special attention to the words as we open up the Scripture. If you are able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? First, we'll be in Psalm 100. 
verses 1 through 5. And it says this, and, and again, I want you to specifically pay attention to the words, and we're going to open up this scripture together. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is good. He made us, and we are his, his people, his sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. And we'll go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and look at verse 16 through 18. <clears throat> verse 16 says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. And Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Worship is the most important activity in the local church. And we've discussed that more than once. It's the most important thing that, that we do as a church family. We come together in God's house to worship the creator of the universe. We come together in God's house to lift his name up. To give him the glory and the recognition that he deserves. The way we worship sometimes has variables. And it's, it's different in, in, in different locations. Man, the, the environment may be different. The lighting may be different. The songs that we sing may be different. The building itself may be different. It does not matter the worship is the most important part and the most important activity that takes place in the church family the bible is very clear that worship is not some kind of dull event man if you were here last sunday you saw, saw where we talked about the enthusiasm of serving god and serving the his people and worship is the same way we talked about compassion we talked about the way we serve we talked about humility all these things point to the excitement of worship People are to engage with a sense of excitement and a sense of anticipation. That's what the scripture says. When we follow God's word, he tells us how we are to worship. We're to worship the same way we serve God, with compassion, with excitement, with enthusiasm, and with humility. Humility. Whew. That's a tough word, ain't it? Y'all didn't get wet on the front row, did you? <laughs> All right. You can't worship the Lord without your emotions. That's the only way it takes place. You think about it. We're talking about the creator of the universe. We're talking about somebody who has, has formed us from the very beginning. It's not a social exercise. It's not simply going through the motions. It's not simply a, a box that we check off or some kind of encounter that we do. It is an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an encounter with the creator of the universe. So here's the thing. What does Scripture say about how we should worship? The Bible says, now this is where we go back to the words, when I told you to pay attention to the words, because we're going to break some of those words down. The Bible says in verse Psalm 101, the Bible says we should shout triumphantly to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the Lord. How many times have you shouted triumphantly to the Lord? 
in church or out of church. You think about it. Let's look at a few things together. Shout triumphantly to the Lord. It says in one translation, it says, shout joyfully to the Lord. Serve the Lord with jubilation. Let me give you some ex- ex- examples of that. Jubilation, a feeling of great happiness. Anytime you have something that's emphasized, it's not just happiness, it's jubilation. It's a feeling of great happiness, triumphantly, a way that shows great happiness or joy, victory of achievement. Here, let's look at this word. Y'all know what the word shout means? Shout. Let's break it down. A loud call or cry as an expression of a strong emotion. Can you imagine what the world would be like if we were shouting to the Lord each and every day? If we were shouting with strong emotion, it's something hard to to imagine, but sometimes it's hard to get a soft amen. Amen? That would be a good one. Time to get a good one out there. (laughs) Shout to the Lord with awe and reverence. It doesn't mean to scream at him. It's not what he's talking about. It means it's an excitement. Shout to the Lord with awe and reverence. Shout to the Lord. That's the description, the way the Bible says that we're to worship the creator of the universe. Verse 1 says, worship is for the whole earth. When you think about it, God didn't create worship for just the Christians. He didn't create it for one denomination or the other. It says in the Bible, it's for the whole world, even though Christianity is an inclusive group. Man, it's, it's an inclusive group. There's a way to get in. And once you're in, you're always in, but it's an inclusive group. But it's for all people. All people are invited to join this group, and they're invited to join the celebration. No one is left out. Let me ask you something, church. You want to make sure your name is on the invitation list. Amen. You don't want to miss out on this one. You want to make sure your name's on the invitation list. Worship is being thankful for the promises of God. Worship is recognizing for God for who he is, for what he has done for us, and what he is promising us that he's going to do, what we're trusting him to do. Worship is standing on the promises of God that he's given us because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you every step of the way. No matter how hard it gets, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Verse 2. The Lord is God is a translation of the Hebrew phrase, Yahweh is Elohim. Those are some, some, some Hebrew words. Now you know it, Yahweh and Elohim. Now you know it's a little bit of Greek and a little bit of Hebrew. You probably already knew that. But Yahweh is the name God revealed as a covenant relationship with his people. Elohim speaks of power. It means he's the one and only creator of the universe. It speaks of power. The one who created the heavens and the earth. The one true powerful God wants to have a relationship with each one of you. He wants to grow that relationship closer to each other. And we should give him the recognition that he rightly deserves. When you think about it, God made us. We were made. We weren't just formed out of a a big bang. God made us, and we are his sheep. That's what the Bible says. He's our creator. He's our sustainer. He's the one that keeps things moving the way it's supposed to be moving. He's the one that holds all things together. He's the source of everything we need. He's our provider. And let me tell you something. He calms the sea in the storm. Amen? We in storms all the time. We have our personal storms. We have corporate storms we have worldwide storms but god is the one who calms the seas in the storm he comforts us in times of sorrow when we're dealing with difficult situation he guides us when we need direction he corrects us when we're wrongfully stumble he illuminates our path when it's dark in the valley when we're down in the valley and it's dark he puts the light down for us and he shows us every step to take the bible says we are his people and we are the sheep of his pasture. So, so Brother Kerry, how do you become a sheep? Man, that's the a, that's a most important question you could ask right now. How do you become a sheep? The Bible says you must be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen? 
Bible says you must be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus made it clear when he was speaking to Nicodemus when he said, you must be, what, born again. Born again. You must be born again. This is completely different than the sacrifices in the Old Testament. This was a once and for all sacrifice for all people. The whole world is invited into this once and for all sacrifice. The case where the shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. You look in John 10, and I'll read this for you. It's not on the scripture, but John 10, 14 through 16 says this. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from the sheep pen. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, and he's your shepherd. That's the same thing that that David said in Psalm 23, isn't it? The Lord's my shepherd. It's a personal relationship. It's personal. He's my shepherd, and he's your shepherd. And he wants to be your shepherd every single day. And because of this, we belong to him. The good shepherd says, my purpose in John 10 is to give life and to give an abundant life. My purpose is to give them a rich, satisfying life. Jesus came to give life and to give it more abundantly. He did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He came to fulfill the promises that God had given us. He wants you to enjoy life. He's not trying to quench your enjoyment in life. He's the one who provides the joy in the life that you need. He doesn't manipulate us. He doesn't try to coerce us into anything. He doesn't hold a warning sign over our heads and say that you need to do this or you need to do that. That instead, he says this, he opens up the word as a pastor of God's flock, and he says, Come to me, all you who are weak and weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you what? I'll give you rest. I'll take care of you. Come to me and feed here. Open up the word and feed here. Lean on me when it's a struggle, when it's a difficult time. Lean on me and learn from me. I want you to grow and eat and drink. Enjoy my truth. Doing this is the secret of a rich and satisfying life. And you know, everybody wants to know what a secret is, don't you? I know a secret. You want to know what it is? Man, here's the thing. This is what this, the gospel is. During a rich and satisfying life, God's word is no secret. He does not keep it from us. He wants us to bring it inside of our minds and inside of our hearts. He wants us to reflect it to a lost and dying world. His word has been referred to as the mystery of the faith. We've got to understand the mystery of the faith. The mystery of the faith means that something that was once hidden is now revealed. It's not hidden from us. We, we understand it. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. He is the shepherd who comforts us. He's the shepherd who cares for us. He loves us and he knows his sheep. And that's so important. He is a good shepherd who's willing to sacrifice his life for his sheep. And that's why he's the good shepherd. Psalm 104 is what the Bible says. Here's some important things. Enter his gates through thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Now let's think about it. How many passwords do you have at home? So most people use the same password on a lot of things, right? And then every month we got to change, we got to update passwords. You think about all the passwords. I think I probably have 20 or 25 passwords at home. And everyone's got one digit different. Y'all do that? It's the same password, password one, password two. Y'all don't do that? Y'all a tough crowd this morning. Today, let me just think about it. Look at this. Here's what I'm talking about. Thanksgiving and praise. This is a clear indication of the passwords that are needed for entering into the presence of the Almighty God. 
This is all the passwords you need. It doesn't have to be uppercase, lowercase. It doesn't have to have numbers or any special marks with it. It's just thanksgiving and praise. That's how you enter into the presence of the Almighty God. When you get these two words down and you understand them, you understand the true meaning of worship. You understand the true meaning of fellowship. No matter what your circumstances are, we're to give thanks to God and bless His name. Amen? Man, we're all dealing with a lot. I mean, some of us more than others, and I understand that, but we're to give thanks to God for what he's given us. You might want to say, well, Brother Kerry, it's really difficult for me right now. Man, this year has been a tough year for me. Let me tell you something. We talk about that every year. But you still want me to be thankful. I'm thinking, yeah, I still want you to be thankful. I'm having a tough time right now. I'm dealing with a lot, and you still want me to be thankful. Let me tell you something. Hands down, this year has been a, a difficult emotional year for many people. So was last year. And so was the year before. And I got news for you. Next year is going to be difficult too unless Jesus Christ comes to receive his church before next year gets here. Sickness is on the, on more prevalent than it seems to be. Depression is on the rise. Division in our country is rampant. Our churches and our beliefs are being attacked like never before. And it hasn't slowed down. It's easy to be thankful when things are going well, isn't it? And when things are moving smoothly, it's easy to be thankful for, for the things you're dealing with. But it's not so easy when the things are difficult. When life gives you a tough hand to play or when life throws you a curveball that you weren't expecting. And I found myself at 49 years old. I found myself in the cath lab at Archbold Hospital. 49 years old in the cath lab. It was a, a difficult surprise for me. But before it was over, I ended up with seven stents in my heart. Before the end of that time was over, I had seven stints in my heart. Let me tell you, I had to learn to hit the curveball. That's what any good baseball coach would tell you. You've got to hit the curveball. Church, let me reassure you something. The God on the mountain is the same God in the valley. God is still on the throne, and he's still in control. Nothing caught him by surprise. He didn't wake up this morning because he never sleeps. He didn't catch none of this by surprise. God's word teaches us to be thankful in everything. Scripture uses words like rejoice. Pray, give thanks, and they all sound like ordinary words until you put the adverbs with them, until you add on to, to what the words look like. Then they become a real challenge. Listen to this. Rejoice always, not just occasionally, not just when you're on the mountain. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and in everything, give thanks. That's where it gets difficult. I mean, that's when it gets hard and difficult. The Christian who walks with the Lord and keeps a constant communication with him will see the reasons for rejoicing and thanksgiving all day long. Let me tell you something. Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean to constantly be mumbling some type of prayer. That's not what it's talking about. Pray without ceasing doesn't mean constantly on the phone with God and talking to him. But it does mean don't take the phone off the hook or don't put it on the hook and don't hang it up. You've got to keep it open. Let's look. You, you had to be at least... 45 years old, I know what I'm talking about on that. Anybody less than 45 don't know what a phone hook is, but anyhow. It means to keep the communication line open. Here's another one you've got to be at least 45 or so. It may be a private line or it may be a party line. Y'all know what those are? Private line is just when you and God are communicating. Party line is when there's other people on the line with you interceding with you, communicating for the Lord with you, stepping in a place and helping out, lifting up, encouraging. The party line is so important, interceding on, our, on, on your behalf. True prayer is an attitude of the heart and a desire of the heart. When our hearts desire what God rightly deserves, we pray all day long 
as the Holy Spirit intercedes in us, for us, and he does what? He groans with us. And the Holy Spirit feels the pain that we feel. He groans with us. That's what the Bible says. There are many characteristics that describe the Almighty God. And, man, we have covered a lot of them because every characteristic gives us a, a specific indication of what God is and who he is. But there's some, some two that I want to share with you this morning, what the Scripture says. Two of the ones that he's talked about this morning says he's good and he's faithful. And those are two comforting words. The Bible says in order to experience the goodness of God and his faithfulness, you must taste and see that the Lord is good. He says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So let me encourage you this morning and challenge you that when times are good or when times are bad, worship him, trust him, and obey him, and be thankful in everything. You won't be disappointed, church. Let's be thankful for the promises that we find in God's word. Thankful for who he is because he's the creator of the universe. He's the almighty God. He's the all-powerful. He's our sustainer. He's one that keeps this world rolling and flowing just like it's supposed to. Thankful for who he is. Thankful for what he's done by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to this world to die for us, to die a sacrificial death for all people. Thankful that he continues to do for us every day through the power of the Holy Spirit, how he gives us strength, how he gives us the guidance, how he gives us what we need to get through each and every day. And thankful for what we're trusting him to do in the future when he sends his son to take his church home to himself. God loves you beyond anything that you can humanly imagine. And he loves us beyond anything that we can possibly comprehend. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loves the world that much that he sent his son. Ephesians 2.8 says this, By grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Man is a sinner. We need a savior. No way around it. We needed a Savior. We needed somebody to step in to help us. Romans 3.23 says this. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin creates a separation between us and God. We can't get to God. He can't get to us. There's no way around it. Jesus Christ had to come to this world and take the place of our place on the cross so that we could have access with the creator of the universe. Romans 10.13 says this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever doesn't leave anybody out. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you haven't done, what you've thought about doing or didn't do. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, I tell you every week because it's so important to me. When our time on this earth is over, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. And eternity is too long to be wrong. We're either going to spend eternity separated from the Father, eternally separated from him. And that will be the most difficult and anguish we've ever experienced. Or we're going to spend eternity in his presence in heaven with him. And that will be where we find joy in heaven. Perhaps today you want to make sure that you know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and that you're going to spend eternity with him in heaven. Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that easy. God didn't make it complicated. He didn't make it hard. He didn't make it a struggle for us. He simply said, call on the name of the Lord. That's how much power is in the name of Jesus Christ. Call on the name of the Lord. Invite him into your heart. There's a repentance that takes place, which just means you follow Jesus from that point on. You're no longer deleting your path. He's leading it for you. It's turn toward him and invite him into your heart, and he'll be your Lord and Savior. 
this, in a moment we're going to have a hymn of invitation. I'll be down front. If you don't know this Jesus that I've been talking about, I'd love to share more with you about him. Maybe there's others in need of, of, of coming to the altar. And the altar is always open. Our deacons are here. They're willing to pray with you. I'll pray with you. Whatever the issue is, whatever your need is, this is your time set aside with you and the Holy Spirit. It's a vertical conversation with you and the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It doesn't matter what anybody else is feeling, thinking, or talking about. It's all between you and the Father. Father God, I come before you this evening or this morning. God, I just thank you for who you are. Thank you for the power that's in your word. God, I just pray if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior. God, I pray that this day would be the day that they would turn it over to you. Father, I pray for our time of invitation. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just move among us. And God, we would feel his presence like never before. Father, I pray for those in need. Those that, that just need your, your touching and loving hand. God, I just pray that you would put your arms around them. And that you would squeeze them tight and let them feel your presence. God, we love you. We lift your name up. And we thank you for Jesus. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.